Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. In this half hour, the harrowing story of how New Orleans native Larry Irvin, after a life intertwined with drugs and guns, realized that his late mother, his precious mother, had been right all along that education was the life-changing answer he'd been seeking all along. Larry Irvin, good to have you on Tavis Smiley. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, Travis. Uh, thank you for having me, brother. Never thought in a, in a million years I'd be having a conversation with you, man. So it's a privilege, it's an honor. Um, I think you're one of the greatest orators and speakers uh, uh, of my generation, for sure. I definitely got you in my top three with Mike Tomlin, Jordan Peterson, and yourself, Mr. Smiley. So it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Man, that's quite that's quite a group right there, man. That, that, is, that is quite a group. Uh, I'm honored to be, yes, on, be on that short list, man. Those are some bad brothers, man. So thank you, thank you, thank you for those kind words, and I'm uh, delighted to have the opportunity to talk to you. Uh, so thank you for your time. Uh, let me start with this, and I'll work my way from here. Tell me about your precious mother. I want to start there. I love my mother. Uh, yes, sir. And obviously, you love yours as well. But tell me about your mama to begin with. Yeah, man, my mama, Marilyn Denise uh, Irvin, man. Uh, she was a lifelong educator, um, and her, you know, her impact. Uh, well, she was an educator, a uh, lifelong educator for the Head Start mm-hmm. in New Orleans and uh, in Kenner and Jefferson Parish. And uh, for 25-plus years before she passed away, she had a, a passion for kids, uh, particularly early childhood education. And I, just had, I had a chance to see it. Uh, you know, be, she was a teacher's teacher, so uh, being the son of, a, of an educator, um, I had a chance to see it from inside the house. You know, she, you know I, I went to school twice, uh, mm-hmm. Brother, Brother Tavis. I went to school uh, for myself, and then I, I came home, and I had my mama's pop quiz. <laughs> and I had my mama's spelling bees, and she made me compete against my older sister, Charlene. Um, with quizzes and things of that nature and essays and things of that nature, man. So she just always set a, a very positive foundation for me academically, for my sister academically. It was always a passion of hers. Uh, and her passion spilled over to the community as well. She was uh, she was one of those uh, open-door mothers where, you know, everybody in the community knew her. I couldn't go to the grocery store, couldn't go nowhere uh, because I, I, I was Mrs. Irvin's son, you know, Miss mm-hmm. Marilyn's son. So uh, in a sense, so she that's, that's who she was in spirit, man, always in church, yeah. always teaching, always giving, uh, benevolent, altruistic, uh, an angel, man, still, still today for me. Yeah. You know, I'm, you're about to make me tear up, man. As you talk about your, your mother, I'm thinking of my, my paternal grandmother, my father's mother, uh, Adele Smiley was her name. And, uh, I, I, I knew that she was respected in the community, but I had no idea, uh, how beloved she was in her neck of the woods in, in Georgia, Midway, Georgia, yeah. uh, to be, to be exact, just outside of Savannah. Um, we, of course, I went to my grandmother's funeral and I was asked to, as her grandson, to speak and to eulogize her in part on this program. And I was just stunned and shocked. And I think about it now and I, I get teary eyed thinking about it. A little small community um, in, in Georgia. And her funeral was so big that there wasn't a church in town that could hold it. They literally had to go <laughs> to the high school gymnasium. Uh, wow. and they packed that thing out, man. This is my, 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 my father's mother, but the funeral was in a high school gymnasium because they couldn't, wow. they could, it was the, it was the biggest venue in this small town, but they, a church would not hold all these people because she was such a servant in that community yeah. that everybody wanted to be there for her home going service. And it sounds like your mother was the same way. The same way, man. She had that impact, you know, um, like I said, it's teaching for Head Start in particular. So, you know, working with the low income students in the communities, man, and uh, she just had a love for everybody, man. And I just, I, I have so many stories yeah. of just, you know, uh, being in the grocery store 
with my mom and, and kids running up mm. with their mother mm. or their parents and hugging my mom. And I'm just like, mm. wow. Like, I, I've, I've always saw people gravitate towards her. She's just angelic spirit, uh, you know, invested herself, her, her body, her spirit, her soul into the community and to kids, man. And I think um, I, I fought it with all... All the power I could yeah. uh, to not follow her footsteps. <laughs> she begged me to be an educator, man. Uh, but she ended up having her way. Uh, yeah. You know, as, as she transitioned on, she still ended up having her way. And uh, we we're not here, man. Talking to Tavis Smiley about uh, brothers in education, man, and, and trying to and trying to uh, develop more teachers, man. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a moment. Brothers empowered to teach. We'll get to that in just a second here. Um, when you saw all that all that love coming at your mother, your precious mother. Yes, sir. You saw that love coming at her. You saw the impact she was having in the community. And by your own words, uh, you fought it. She's trying to pull you into this world as well. Uh, and you fought it. Why, why, why fight? Why resist? Um, I think, I think brother Tavis is just, I think for a lot of black men, we, we, we all kind of suffer with an identity crisis and grapple with an identity crisis. Speaking from a New Orleans context and, mm-hmm. and growing up in New Orleans, I think it's very similar to, to what the boys, uh, you know, alluded to as far as this duality of consciousness. I think who oh, yeah. am I? Yeah. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, th- th- there is a positive mother and, and you know, black mother in the home, especially, especially if you grew up in a single parent home. But when you go outside, like I had to, uh, brother Travis, and when you have to go outside, my mother worked two and three jobs to supplement income. Right? We all know that story. Um, and I had to go out and find masculinity and manhood for myself, and all the time. Not all the time was those positive uh, rep- representations, mm-hmm. but that influence is so strong. Um, that criminal element is so ubiquitous. It, it's guns, drugs, that lifestyle. It's 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 such an affirmation because you see it all the time. And I think um, sometimes for a lot of young men, man, who grapple with this identity, um, your mother can try as hard as she can yeah. uh, to put you in a positive space and give you a positive context and a positive perspective on life. But when you go outside, man, that's such a strong pull on your identity, on who you are, how you view yourself as a black man. Uh, and I think I just grappled with it a little with a lot, uh, with a lot of young men did. Yeah. And, and I, I saw, I saw that lifestyle, and I wanted that. Did, did you ever feel like you were betraying your mother in any way? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I remember several times getting arrested, uh, sitting in the dorm, you know, waiting wait to see the judge, and I'm just like. How do I explain this? Because I, I know I'm letting her down. You know, she has a she set a certain tone, right, for my family. People know her as as being an educator, so people are always expecting. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting people not expecting uh Miss Madeline's son, mm-hmm. right? Miss, mm-hmm. People not expecting Miss Madeline's son to be locked up to be getting gun charges and narcotics charges and things of that nature. So it was an it was an embarrassment uh, on multi levels, not just for myself, but for my mom and, and, and what she tried to you know uh, the, the 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 past she tried to set for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but eventually, um, we, as we all do, if we're fortunate, if we're blessed, we, we have these epiphanies, right? We can all make mistakes. Uh, we are not yes, human. Sir. We're not human and divine. We're just human. We all make mistakes. And eventually, if we are fortunate, we're like that prodigal son that comes to himself. Uh, sometimes you got to be eating slop with the hogs. Uh, you got to have that experience that the prodigal yes, son sir. had to come to yourself. And you had some experiences like that. Uh, when you found yourself uh, serving as a pallbearer at the funerals of your cousin uh, and a close friend, um, something something hits you. When we come forward, I want to hear what that moment uh, of epiphany was about for you. Uh, and uh, let me just say before we move forward uh, that uh, once we hear about that moment of epiphany and what turned him around and realized that his precious mother was right all along, that education is where he belonged, 
We'll talk about uh, how he became then the founder and chief executive officer of Brothers Empowered to Teach, B-E-2-T, they call it, B-E-2-T, Brothers Empowered to Teach. This is a great opportunity, um, given that he uh, mentioned uh, uh, he is a New Orleans native. Uh, a good chance for me to shout out WBOK, 1230 AM, uh, one of the stations that carries the Tavis Smiley program. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. It does indeed. Uh, Larry Irvin, I was saying moments ago that uh, the prodigal son, we were told, eventually came to himself. You had your own epiphany uh, a few years ago. Tell me about it. Yeah, I think it was just uh, after my mom passed, you know, um, I really had to, I had to take, a, take a step back. Um, and, and be really introspective about what, what was going on in my life. Uh, you know, right as she passed, I had caught another uh, another gun and narcotic charge, um, and I was just going through a slew of of, of trials and tribulations and, and calamities. Um, as you mentioned, and I uh, and I want to commend you for doing your homework. Um, you know, uh, a couple years after she passed, um, you know, my, my cousin Danny in the Eighth Ward in New Orleans was gunned, was gunned down uh, in this BMW. Shortly after that, my uh, my best friend uh, Rashad. Uh, had a had a, had a heroin uh, heroin overdose, and mm-hmm. I think for both of those funerals, I was a pallbearer for both of those funerals. And I, I remember just each time carrying those caskets, caskets, brother Travis, just mm-hmm. having these moments of clarity and asking myself why. I just continue to ask myself why. Uh, I spent a lot of time with those guys. Uh, we made a lot of the same decisions. Um, you know, spent a lot of time with them, and I just kept asking myself, why am I getting these chances mm-hmm. um, at life? These these second, third chances, if you will at life to do something better. Um, and, and it just, it became clear to me that I had to make a change. Um, and I wanted to look for something different, something positive. Um, and it really, you know, uh, my mom's voice started ringing in my head. She always told me, Larry, you would be a great educator. You, you got great communication skills. You connect with people. Um, so I went back to my alma mater. I went back to my, my alma mater uh, at Bonneville High School. Went back to talk to one of my football coaches, just really looking for something, mm-hmm. looking for any type of attachment any type of attachment because I couldn't use my uh, grad, uh, my education from LSU because of my criminal background. Mm. Even though I went to LSU for journalism, I couldn't use it because I couldn't get past a criminal background check yeah. uh, because of the charges that I alluded to. So um, I went back and asked to just if he had anything for me, if I could volunteer football coach or something like that, and he gave me a job. He gave me a volunteer job to coach defensive line. Um, one thing led to another man, teachers and students alike, uh, saw the impact that I had from day one. He then asked me to think about going into uh, the classroom to be a sub. And uh, I fought that as well. I fought that for like half the football season. And then I ended up going. I ended up going into the classroom as a substitute uh, at my alma mater at Bonneville, man. And one thing led to another. I was just a natural. <laughs> and I said, you know what? You know, I don't see too many who look like me, but there's something here. Um, and I want to explore this a little bit more, man. And then one thing led to another. I started doing some surveys at uh, the local colleges and universities, Dillard and Xavier University, talking to black men, mm-hmm. asking them their, their experience with, with black male educators. And on average, uh, the average uh, in K-12, their experience was one. Mm-hmm. How many black, how, I would ask them the question, how many black male educators have they had? And the average would be one. And I, I interviewed and surveyed uh, over 150 uh, uh, students uh, in between New Orleans and Baton Rouge. And I, I knew we had a market and we had an issue we had to address. Yeah. 
Uh, we'll talk about how they're addressing that issue when we come forward. It's called Brothers Empowered to Teach. Uh, I'm just uh, giggling here in studio. I've, I've done this for so many years. I'm used to it now. It's just always funny to me. Whether you ask or not, if you're talking to anybody from Houston or, or New Orleans, they're going to tell you what ward they're from. It just, <laughs> it's just, it's like, I, I, it's funny to me. If you're from Houston or New Orleans, uh, they're going to tell you what ward they grew up in, what ward they are from, what ward it went down in. It's like, it's like being from Detroit. They're going to tell you what high school they went to. You go to King, you go to Cass. You're going to hear about it uh, if they're from Detroit. Uh, you do this as long as I've done. You get used to these kinds of things. I just find it really cool uh, how people are connected to their local communities. Uh, you heard him say that he finally uh, got on the good foot, to quote uh, the godfather, uh, James Brown. Uh, my way of saying that is the apple don't fall far from the tree. Uh, what he had, he had honestly because he got it from his mama. We'll talk about Brothers Empowered to Teach with Larry Irvin Jr. when we come forward on Tavis Smile. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Got about four minutes left in this conversation with Larry Irvin Jr. Just about four minutes left. Um, as I said earlier, the apple don't fall far from the tree. His mother kept telling him what his gift was what his talent was, where he belonged, he resisted, and finally he ends up realizing that his mama was right all along. Tell me then about Brothers Empowered to Teach, Larry Irvin. Yes, sir. So we're, uh, it's an undergraduate fellowship that we offer uh, for teacher development uh, for, for that's targeted at, at young black men. Um, it, it's, uh, our criteria is simple. You just need to be have a 2.5, be enrolled halftime, at least halftime in, uh, in college. Uh, and obviously be a, a, a young black male. What we try to do is take a gradual approach to exposing them, working with, uh, working with children early on with our after school and K-12 partners. We pay them, um, in, in an apprenticeship in exchange for their time and commitment. Um, they get professional development, they get personal development, they get community, uh, Brother Tavis. Uh, we're basically, uh, you know, a, if you want to look at it as a community-based education program, uh, because there are a lot of education programs being wiped out, those budgets are being wiped out across universities and colleges mm-hmm. across the country, and we just we, we're stepping up and giving and giving an avenue and a pathway uh, for black men who want to consider education uh, to do so, and we're walking them up all the way uh, through matriculation through our program up to the praxis, help with the praxis and placement and support after they graduate as well. Mm, you are doing the Lord's work, man. You are doing the Lord's work. I had conversation earlier today on this program uh, about. The fact that uh, there's a war on black children uh, in our school systems across the country, and uh, part of the yes, way, sir. part of the way to fight back, part of the way to win that war, uh, is to make sure that the exodus that we have witnessed of black folk leaving the teaching profession that we do a U-turn in that regard. But specifically, yes. when it comes to black men, uh, I'm not naive in asking this. I just want to hear your answer. What difference would it make? What difference does it make? when the young black boys see black males in the classroom? Man, there's so many layers to that, but I'll just try to say, you know, kids are what they see. So if we want to, we want to, uh, you know, uh, motivate and inspire the next generation uh, of educators to come through, they have to, they, we have to provide the mirror, uh, Brother Travis. And I think uh, the deficit perspective as well, I think uh, it affects all kids of all races and all walks that don't see Black men teaching, uh, leading from in front of the classroom from an intellectual capacity, mm-hmm. not as janitors, not as football coaches, not as basketball coaches, not as disciplinarians, but as uh, intellectual leads mm-hmm. in front of the classroom. And I think just K-12 as a whole doesn't have the lens that's needed right now uh, to see black boys. A lot of black boys and black children, black and brown children, are going through their K-12 experience not being seen and being invisible, man. And I just, uh, 
Uh, I think black men a lot of times bring that lens that's needed uh, to bring the genius and tap into the genius of a lot of these young men that's being passed through um, and, and, and not ever really being seen or being humanized in the academic experience. For most of us, our, our K-12 experience was contextualized around behavioral expectations yeah. and not academic readings. Use the word genius now. Uh, use the word genius a moment ago. I want to use it now and close this conversation by saying that what you are doing is genius. Uh, this program, Brothers Empowered to Teach, I wanted the uh, audience nationally to, to be aware of, uh, is genius at work. Um, somebody has got to do the work. As I say all the time, um, we find ourselves in life every night again where we have to assign ourselves. We have to assign ourselves to do that thing that ain't nobody else doing that we all know needs to be done. So I'm so delighted that Larry... Irvin Jr. is doing the work of uh, 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 getting black men into the teaching pipeline, into the teaching profession through this wonderful program called Brothers Empowered to Teach. I got 30 seconds left here. Let me close with this. What do you make of the fact that uh, your mother's entreaties notwithstanding, she begged and begged and told you repeatedly that this was the lane that you belonged in. She's gone now uh, and she's not here to see it in real time. But I am I'm just amazed that you just didn't get it right for yourself but that you're now doing it for other black men. Your mother could never have imagined that you'd be on this path, not yeah. just for yourself, Larry, but you're getting all these other yes, black men into the profession that she loves so much. What do you make of that? I think that sometimes, you know, uh, God calls who he wants to call to get certain missions done. And yeah. I think I've been tapped. I've been, I've been given a certain experience, a certain duality of experience to, to tell this story, to lead oh, this yeah. work. Uh, to inspire young men, and uh, that's 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 what's going on, brother Travis, and we'll keep pushing. Your mother is smiling on you, and that's a beautiful thing. I, I've never met a black man uh, in my life who, at some point, <laughs> would not tell you all he wants to do is make his mama happy, make his mama proud, make his mama <laughs> smile. Uh, yes. That's 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 yes, my sir. that's my story. That's my testimony. I'm sticking to it. I know it's yours as well, Larry. Good to have you on. All the best in your working witness, brother. I thank you for your time. Thank you so much, brother uh, brother Travis. Good to meet you. My pleasure is all mine.